0: Hello, hi, okay. that ringing music's really catchy
1: <laughs> It is
0: so I'm like doing a little little dance to it.
1: Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode twenty seven of Hello, fellow kids
0: It's not thirty yet.
1: Well, I mean we're well over thirty if you were to count the bonus oh. episodes.
0: yeah, those don't count because we didn't record them,
1: yeah. We have some very strict guidelines for what makes a real episode and a not real episode.
0: I think you have the strict guidelines. I just go along with it cuz I don't do any of the work.
1: I yeah, yes. <laughs> 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 I mean, it is it is probably kind of nice that you like you finish recording and you're like, "Cool, I don't have to think about that for another couple weeks."
0: Yeah, it is pretty nice. It's like a huge, you know, when you had like a project for school and then you hand it in, you're like, oh, thank God. It's like that. Right. I am essentially writing a book report. I mean, that's what this is. I have to take note of what I'm reading and like draw some draw some logical (laughs) conclusion. Otherwise, it's going to be just like that one episode where I didn't take notes and was like, I love this book. And then you've knocked it down. And I was like, you're right. This is a bad book. That is the view from Saturday if you want to go listen to that episode.
1: <laughs> this month we read Sorcery and Cecilia or The Enchanted Chocolate Pot.
0: I think both of those titles are terrible.
1: I think they're pretty bad. Uh also it really bugs me that only Cecilia gets to have her name yes. in
0: the title. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't like that only Cecilia gets her name in the title cuz Kate did a lot too.
1: Yeah, like, the only way that would have worked for me is if her full name was Sorcery, and for whatever reason, she went by Kate as a nickname.
0: Wouldn't you? That's kind of rough.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so like,
0: I can't get a job. They throw my application away, like, <laughs> no way, this is this bitch's name Sorcery.
1: <laughs> yeah, put her next to all the destinies. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what? <laughs> well, like, whenever you get a name that's like, like destiny or amethyst or something you're like "Mm, moving on
0: i don't i'll have you know that my father wanted to name me destiny luckily (laughs) my my mom was there to go no (laughs) (laughs) yes she wanted to name me martha so we ended up with mara between destiny and martha (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> what, what part did the destiny get? Not...
0: I don't know, but I always got a little bit bitter when I'd be spinning through those little like personalized plate racks where you get the names on there, and they'd find I'd find destiny, I'd find Martha, wouldn't find Mara.
1: <laughs> well, I mean it's simple. You you take you take the M A R A from Martha, and you take. The T-H that isn't in Destiny, and then you take it out of Martha because it's not in Destiny. And then you get your name.
0: You're saying they should have named me Marstony? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> that, I'm picturing that on, like, a little whiteboard with, like, a suburban pregnant white woman in front of it. Like, this is the name! You know, like, all those horrible... It's the
1: Renesbe of 2020.
0: Yeah, the... The... the Mylia or... <laughs> I don't know. They just combine a bunch of like really, really basic white names to try and sound like original, but it all just sounds so bleh. Yeah. That's where E belongs. <laughs> uh, okay, so we read a book.
1: Uh, it's <laughs> well, we, let's see. We've talked about the title, the authors, Patricia
0: C. Reed and Carolyn Stevemer.
1: Yes. Um, and this was they didn't really intend for it to be a book. This was more of just a writing exercise between two friends. Um, It talks about that at the back. Um, Patricia C. Reed would write letters from the perspective of uh, Cecilia, and Carolyn Stevermer would write letters from the perspective of Kate, and they didn't really talk about what the plot or anything was, for the most part, outside of writing the letters. Um, it was just a uh, an exercise in creativity and trying to like tell a story between characters like you would in in real life, where you can't get in the heads of each other and really plan ahead. Um, which I think is a really cool concept. I feel like this could have used like some more like traditional storytelling revisions afterwards, because basically they just went back through all the letters, and they cut out a couple of, like, loose ends that didn't make sense, and then they sent it in?
0: That basically sounds like what I did do. What I did do. I don't know what happened there. I'm sorry. Uh, Like, oh, I know what happened. I woke up, like, half an hour ago, so I'm still, like... (laughs) At least I'm not on Benadryl this time.
1: Are you still in your jammies?
0: I don't leave my jammies.
1: That's good. I'm in my day jammies.
0: I don't know what day jammies are.
1: Uh, It's where you just... you. You get ready for the day, and instead of putting on new clothes, you just put on fresh jammies. That's just jammies. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does not need a special term. Um,
1: But yeah, I I think that's a really fun exercise. I was just kind of, eh, about the end result for the most part. It definitely got better. Uh, We talked about that, because I was a little bit ahead of Mara at the start. And she was like, I'm just having kind of troubles (laughs) getting into it. And I was like, it picks up once you get into like the second month of letters after like page 50 or so because the letters start getting longer and tell actual like story scenes as opposed to just like here's a list of names and events i went to can
0: you tell aunt charlotte to send me green ribbon so i have it for that dress and you're like oh christ i don't care why don't you write to aunt charlotte and tell her you want a ribbon why do i have to be the messenger for this (laughs)
1: Yes. So so the basic premise is that uh, it's two cousins who uh, are living in two different parts of England in 1817, but like alternate universe, 1817, where magic is a thing.
0: Yeah. And they kind of like slip that in just all like uh, uh, uh you know basic boring shit about oh we it's the season so we we're gonna go there we got prospects for my cousin georgina blah blah all the wizards are having their graduation i'm like the what now <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah basically just assume that every single chapter takes place during either like an outing to a like A fancy dance or like sitting and having tea in a library everybody is always dressed up real nice and everybody is very pretty much prim and proper for most of it and so just picture that always and that'll do for the setting for most of it
0: that'll do pig (laughs) (laughs) um
1: what were your thoughts on this
0: Um, you know, it's funny, I've actually been reading, if you follow my Goodreads, I've been reading, like, a lot of, like, historical Regency romances, so I was like, oh, cool, we're back here in (laughs) London, we're having our season, cool, fine. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like you said, it does pick up around page 50, and I wonder if readers are patient enough to wait that out. Cause I've seen some people, like, I've seen, like, not specifically for this book, but I've seen reviews for books where they're like, oh, it took forever getting in, or it was slow in parts, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, what do you, do you, that's just kind of the nature of books. There's kind of like, you know, falling action between stuff. But, uh, yeah, um, I kind of didn't want to continue until that point. And then I was like, okay, stuff's happening. This is okay. But I ended up giving it, uh, three stars on goodreads
1: that's where i ended up as well and how how strong of a three or weak of a three it will probably depend on the discussion because i really kept having mixed opinions about a lot of elements of this
0: yeah it it didn't help that i'd read a lot of books (laughs) recently around this time period that were like really really good so i was just like "Mm, this isn't really this isn't really living up to the filth i'd just been reading (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, so we're gonna go ahead and hop into this. It takes place over the course of like four months and it's all just it's entirely epistolary novel, so it's just letters between. It's all peeing. Yeah.
0: That's what uh, epistolary means, right? Yes,. Peeing.
1: <laughs> it is <laughs> It is the wettest book I've ever read.
0: I could have said it's about guns. I went with the like the dumber <laughs> joke. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> all right, so April. Of 1817. Uh, we begin with a waterfall of names and gossip. Cece is very excited to attend a dance being hosted by one Lady Tarleton and has had word that there will be slow dancing. <gasps> exactly.
0: I, d- I kind of want to chime in that, um, the waltz was, was like the first like face to face dancing individually with a partner kind of dance, so it actually was a little risque. So if there's slow dancing like this and not just, like, a country dance where everyone, like, lines up facing each other, that is a big deal. Like, we we scoff because, I mean, we have twerking now, but that was a big deal then.
1: I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to defer to you for any sort of, like, uh, historical contextual information because I have n- only read a couple of books in this uh era. i
0: no way an expert, but I think I'm a bit more than you, so... <laughs> I'm just, you know, heading off the angry emails from the listeners we don't have. Uh,
1: Cece's brother, Oliver, who has been very mopey since Kate and her sister, Georgie, left Essex uh, to go to London for the season, is hoping to avoid the dance entirely. Uh, Cece also learns that Sir Hilary Bedrick has been appointed to the Royal College of Wizards. Cece's stuffy Aunt Elizabeth who she, Oliver, and her father are staying with, doesn't approve of magic naturally, but Cece is pretty interested. Kate, meanwhile, is in London a few days into her season, uh, something Cece uh, did not get to have this year. She's a bit of a mess, unlike her radiant and pious sister Georgina, who is crushing hard on Oliver, which, like, they're cousins, right?
0: Yeah, but that used to be
1: the thing. No, I know it's the thing. I I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm...
0: I had that in my notes, too. It was like, oh, the days where you could bone your cousin.
1: I I then wrote in parentheses here, I wasn't going to ship Cece and Kate when I saw they were related, but if Oliver and Georgie are kissing cousin, why not get the girls in on it, too?
0: Ah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe they could if they were fairies and this was fable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Kate and Georgie are with their Aunt Charlotte, who plans to visit Lady Jersey, someone who Kate suspects... Doesn't enjoy Charlotte's company as much as Charlotte thinks she does. Kate is far more interested, instead, in attending Bedrick's installation to the Royal College. Also, she found some very chic gloves to send Cece. There's a lot of stuff like that.
0: Yeah, like, oh, here's a bit of taffeta that can get made into a dress for you. I'm like, cool, thanks.
1: (laughs) Cool, I'm gonna put it over here with the things I don't want.
0: And there we go. (laughs)
1: Um... And then back to Cece. Cece recently met with Lady Tarleton's niece, Dorothea Griscombe. She is a shy girl, but eventually opens up to having spent her first eight years living in India. She also has some gossip about the mysterious Marquis of, uh, Schofield. Schofield? Schofield? I
0: was saying Sheffield.
1: Well. Schofield.
0: I've heard of Sheffield, so. Okay. It made, makes the most sense Then, like, let's pronounce it a weird way.
1: Well, Yeah. And they just like to add, like, Worcestershire is Worcestershire to Ville.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not Warwick. It's Warwick. Yeah. Um. It's not St. John. It's St. John. They have no room to complain about how Americans speak, like, at fucking all. <laughs> but they do.
1: <laughs> yeah. She also has some gossip about the Marquis of Sheffield. Who has a house near uh, Sir Bedrick's, but never visits it. She says it's because the Marquis and Bedrick had a falling out, but the specifics are unknown. Most intriguing. Cece must break from writing Kate to attend the dance. BRB! The dance was lovely. Cece got to waltz several times, including with Mr. Tarleton, who is not returning to London despite being known to stay in Essex very little. He and Cece's father leave briefly to discuss a manuscript Tarleton is translating, but Aunt Elizabeth wrangles them back in. Of particular note is that Oliver seems quite taken with Dorothea, which Cece suggests Georgie is better off not knowing. And then Kate certainly had an adventure. Oliver came to visit and was very put off by the number of suitors Georgia has in London. After several days of various social engagements, Kate and Oliver attend Sir Hilary Bedrick's installation. Kate wanders off and peeks into a latch room where she finds a woman sitting in a small garden drinking chocolate. Kate finds herself sitting down and becoming stuck in place. The woman addresses her as Thomas the Marquis and remarks that she set this trap for him to finally get revenge. The chocolate pot is an imitation of Thomas's own enchanted chocolate pot, TM, and is filled with some sort of corrosive poison. Kate manages to splash the woman with the chocolate, breaking the enchantment and allowing herself to escape. Nobody believes her, of course, but she does have a small hole in her gown where the poison burned clean through. Cece doesn't seem that astonished by Kate's story, which either means magical run-ins like this are fairly common, or she has no gauge of what actual drama is.
0: I think it's just that um, (laughs) they're English, so, like, oh, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, right. That was such a nice dress. (laughs) What are you going to do?
1: (laughs) Instead, Cece mostly talks about how everyone in the world wants Dorothea, except maybe James Tarleton, but even that is up to debate. Oliver seems to have returned to Georgie as the center of his affection. Cece and Dorothea went riding, and Cece thought she saw another rider watching them. I
0: thought you said rioting, so I was like, I don't remember that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't you remember when they got tear gassed?
0: (laughs) No, they're all like, we want haircuts.
1: (laughs) Later, James makes mention of them riding, and Cece figures out that he was the other rider watching Dorothea from afar, because they never mentioned that they were riding. Dorothy insists james doesn't like her because he straight up doesn't like her she's not sure why how rude kate attends a ball in which the lady jersey introduces her to her dancing partner uh the mysterious marquis himself thomas as they dance thomas thanks her for accidentally springing the trap set for him by the uh, female wizard miranda he tells her not to worry about what's going on so of course kate will he also suggests that now that Thomas has shown her some attention, other men will be lining up to see what all the fuss is about with her. However, Miranda will likely be after Kate as well, so best to stay out of Strange Gardens, yeah? So that's April.
0: Yeah, alright. I'm looking at my discussion topics. I already covered the cousin thing. Yeah, okay, so uh I just realized that we keep saying season and shit, but people might not know what that means. How much do you know about... Having a season and coming out and all that.
1: I have heard Do we of... Do I need to kind
0: of cover it a little bit?
1: If you want, I've heard of it as, like, a singular event. I've not heard of it lasting for, like, literally months. Oh. I mostly know of, like, where they have, like, they have, like, one big event where all of the, like, high-standing young people...
0: Well, it's, like, okay, so um, everybody goes to London, like, around this time period for, like, I think it's, like, mm, like April to, like... I'm not really sure. Probably just like the summer months. So everyone goes there and, um, it's a big deal for like the first, like the first coming out. It doesn't mean like what it means now. Um, it just means like, um, like a girl's like of marriageable age now. So they're kind of presenting her to the society. And, um, I think they used to get presented to like the, like the queen or whoever was the monarch at the time. They'd go to court and they're like, and this is Lady Doofus. And they're like, oh, okay, Lady Doofus. <laughs> and that's, mm, that's yes,
1: it. I see the yeah.
0: Doofus. <laughs> yeah, it's very impressive. And, and then like the, the mo, this is like the time for like the moms in particular to like, like, if you thought dance moms was intense it's like these moms like i gotta get my daughter married (laughs) let's go let's go let's go (laughs) like the moms in the background like doing like a shimmy motion along with her daughter on the dance floor you know (laughs) like come on (laughs) come on you gotta catch that baron (laughs) (laughs) he makes twenty thousand a year cecilia (laughs) but um so yeah that's basically what this is and um there's been like lot of romance novels that take place during that time as well and especially the the ones where it's like oh she's had five seasons but there haven't been any offers yet and you're like oh no she's gonna be an old maid and she's like 28 you know (laughs) yeah so that's basically what's going on you go out you get all dolled up and uh you go to like all the parties and stuff and um, let's be clear that not everyone gets to do this. Like, mates aren't going out there. It's like, if your dad owns, like, a country seat, or, like, you have, like, anything to, you have any money, I, I think maybe, like, merchants' daughters got to do this shit. But, like, yeah, it's just a way to, like, meet eligible people. And I kind of feel like we should have kept that going. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of have that here, and like um if you ever watched gossip girl
1: i was just thinking it's like it's all of gossip girl
0: it's like debutantes <laughs> you know okay yeah. um what else do we have? oh um i wrote down my i wrote down predictions like you usually do yes. and i put is dorothea magic does she accidentally make herself too hot <laughs> she's really upset by it she's totally not yeah. okay with it and you know i don't think i would be either because i mean when this is happening to her i'm picturing that episode of buffy the vampire slayer where xander and cordelia break up and he like tries to put together this love spell to like make her like fall back in love with him and it works on everyone in sunningdale except cordelia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just picturing Xander like, no, because it's like fun for a while. Because he's like, oh, Buffy's suddenly into me. Okay, this might be all right. But then he's like getting attacked by Buffy's mom and he's getting mobbed at school. So Dorothy can't go anywhere.
1: Um, I like the characterization of Aunt Charlotte as being one of those people that is convinced that everybody thinks she's so great. And everybody else is like, God, I, why does she have to show up? Like... If we didn't have to interact with her, we never would. She is so obnoxious. Had, everybody knows someone like that. Oh
0: yeah, I had I I, I knew someone like that when I was in and college. And if you
1: don't know anyone like that, you
0: are that person. I'm sorry, sorry, Aunt Charlotte. Oh, that scene—it's very small, but uh, when Cecilia or somebody walks to the room and sees like. Georgie holding, like, a little locket that has, like, a lock of um Oliver's hair in it. I'm asking, when did we stop keeping people's hair, and when did it become creepy?
1: Yeah, there has to be a... Yeah, when did that stop?
0: If someone had my hair, I wouldn't be okay with that. Like, I think the only person who has my hair, actually, is my mom. It was, like, my first haircut when I was a baby, and it's in my baby book. That's totally fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's... So, it's, it's some point between... I I mean, it can at least be someplace between 1817 and Hey Arnold. Oh, right. Because it's definitely creepy by then.
0: Yeah. I feel like maybe it stopped. God, why would it have stopped? Is there something like gross and germy about it? Or um, did Hollywood get too popular with like voodoo stuff? So there's this kind of like, I don't want you having my hair. That's weird. Now I wish I'd researched this. I'm really curious when that fell out of favor.
1: I would guess it would have something to do with the transition from, because it's not, it's not just the having of the hair, it's whether it was given or taken, and na- like nowadays it'd be presented as tire- entirely as I snuck somebody's hair, <laughs> well, whereas back then it would be like, you clip off a lock of your hair, and it's like, to remember me by, take this in my kerchief.
0: And it's like, are you going to a war? Why do I need this? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> let me find an oak tree to tie a ribbon well
0: how would laura Jean have taken it if if uh peter had given her the locket and it had like he's like oh i put some of my hair in that you seemed into that old-fashioned stuff Which she had been all gross why did you do that peter kavinsky this is the weirdest thing i've ever done and he's like i know it is <laughs> he's like i'm sorry i was reading like those old books you like and it's like something you'd want i and she's just like, it's romantic to read about in the 1800s. I don't want your hair, Peter. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'll just take it back then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that, at that point, it wraps around to like, I don't want it because I want your hair. I want it because this is such a ridiculous gift.
0: <laughs> and then she's like, well, no, I'll give it back. He's like, you just freaked out that it was gross. I feel like we just wrote fan fiction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're so hard to read, Covey.
0: You're so, Covey, I thought you'd totally be into this. <laughs> He just sounds like that in every role he plays. Oh yeah. <laughs> Noah Simpinemineno? I can't say his name.
1: Noah Cinnamon roll? Yes,
0: a Noah Cinnamon roll. I can't Yeah, and apparently he like makes really weird tweets that are supposed to sound really deep.
1: <laughs> Is it like the new Jaden Smith Twitter?
0: Perhaps, um, I wasn't able to like read through all of it, but there was like, uh, I remember watching like some bit of an interview with him and like, uh, they're all like, Hey, we looked at your Instagram. And he goes, Oh no. And then, <laughs> there's like a picture of him with like his buddy and they're like pressing foreheads and have like, <gasps> like really into it. Like yay faces. And then there's like this really super pretentious poetry that he'd captioned it with, and they're like, what does that poem mean to you? And he just, like, waffled for, like, five minutes, (laughs) trying to decide what it... And I just felt like I was back in AP English, (laughs) going over, like, a poem. I was like, I hate poetry! And he clearly just picked that because he thought it sounded cool. (laughs) (laughs) I like that he knows poems, but I don't think he's a deep person. I
1: I think he just should caption everything on his Instagram with Annabelle Lee.
0: Oh no, yeah.
1: Every single one.
0: <laughs> I can't believe Laura Jean didn't spot that. Right. I mean, I was just like, this is, this is Annabelle Lee. He's a plagiarist. <laughs> okay. We should.
1: Hey, did you know we're talking about a different book?
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Keeping people's hair. Kind of <laughs> creepy. Oh, and this is interesting to no one but me, but, um, I've had this on my to read on Goodreads since December 16th, 2012. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad I read this.
1: <laughs> the only other note that I have in my book all the way through this month is that um, so I have like a Magic Carpet um Harcourt paperback of it, and for whatever reason, like I can't figure out what exactly it is about it, but they all they all of the Harcourt paperbacks feel different to me. They're like they're they're wigglier.
0: My oh Magic Carpet! I have that too. The the, the little mass market. Yeah. Yeah. Same's.
1: And their paperbacks have always felt wiggly to me. But it that's... is
0: wiggly. Yeah. I'm totally wiggling a book right now. That's kind of nice, though, because then it you open it and it kind of, like, can stay open. Well, yeah. I mean, not, like, indefinitely, but it's definitely not as tightly packed as some other ones where you end up, like, really folding back the front cover and it just looks crummy after. Like...
1: Right, it's like, oh, you want to read all of the pages uh Why? all the words on the page go ahead and just break the spine because that's the only way you get to do it
0: <laughs> that's what you get loser you like that bookworm huh then go outside and make friends no read the book <laughs> You're like, and then the book threw itself in my head <laughs> and then the book gave me a swirly <laughs> okay i wonder if i have oliver sucks I'll just put that out there. I think Oliver sucks. Yeah. Oh, and I totally, since I, I guess since I've been reading the romantic books and stuff, I totally pegged the romantic interest uh, instantly. Whereas, like, uh, James uh, Tarleton, I have him as, I was like, okay, he's going to be Cecile's romantic interest because he dances with her, and for olden times, that's like second base. Right. (laughs) And uh, the Marquis, I knew right away because... I'm looking at my notes and trying to figure out... I'll just read what I put it here, like, when they're dancing. And he tells her he's Thomas, and that she sprung the trap meant for him. And powdered wig lady is Miranda, and she's pissed. But hey, nothing to worry about. P.S., you suck at dancing, loser. And then I'm like, based on this lovely bit of nagging, I think we found love interest number two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Him. You suck at dancing, her. I love him. want to make out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, she's more like, they're more like, um, these girls are both like super into these guys that play it off in the letters, like, he's an infuriating man. And the other one going like, yeah, I don't know what that's about. Where I'd be all like, girl, you've talked about him for like six pages now.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> like, it's clear you're into this idiot. I think that's all I have for April.
1: Let's go into May. And May? May is pretty long, so I might have to stop at some point in the middle of it.
0: Oh, didn't but... we all? This has been a tough time.
1: <laughs> I've been inside these four walls for a little bit too long.
0: <laughs> oh. No, sorry. You, you, this smell doesn't transfer over the... I just smelled cheese. it he did, a, oh, no. he did a poop at some point.
1: Oh, Cheesy, do you need to go find it?
0: He farted.
1: I can hear an ice cream truck. I think it's on your end. No, I know.
0: Okay, because I was just like, I don't hear one. Then I hear this creepy...
1: My girlfriend just came into the room and is giving me a look like, why the heck is there an ice cream truck?
0: <laughs> you can't social distance at an ice cream truck.
1: I, I think that we should, that those, uh, those little, like, grabber things, where they have, like, you have, like, the trigger and then, like, a three-foot arm and then a little claw at the other end, I think we should advertise those as, like, social distancing tools and sell a trillion of them. I kind of
0: hope. We can just keep picking things up at the curb and, like, bye and leaving. That's pretty great.
1: Right? I love not interacting with people.
0: Yes. <laughs> or, like, ordering something, like, leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. And she's like, yes. I always wanted to say that quote from Home Alone.
1: Dreams are being realized in quarantine 2020.
0: I mean, I'm pretty bored, but other than that, I got no complaints. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I make more on my unemployment than I did employed, so... Yep. I'm good.
1: That's... Yeah, that's how it is for a lot of people. <laughs> All right, so, May, we have a very busy day for CC Indeed. At the top, Mary the maid shows her a charm bag she found in <laughs> Oliver's room.
0: Hang on. You you said C C I D Indeed, and I thought Gigi Hadid, so... <laughs> like... <laughs> I just needed to sit with that for a second. Ah, It was a busy day for Gigi Hadid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. A charm bag found in Oliver's room. There's no way to know who put the charm there or what the charm is for, but it's certainly strange. Later, Aunt Elizabeth and Cece head to the lake, where they have a picnic with Dorothea, Lady Tarleton, and another young woman named Patience, as well as her brother Jack and his friends Robert and Martin. You don't need to know most of these names. It is...
0: I guess Robert.
1: And then you do see patients like one or two more times in semi-relevant instances, but
0: mostly it's they're just filled out so there's people there for a party. It's just, yeah. That?
1: I I even wrote I hope I don't need to remember most of them.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's how I felt doing most of this book. I was like I don't know who anyone is.
1: <laughs> oh look, British name. Oh look, another British name. <laughs>
0: Can someone like be interesting in some way so they'll stand out? No, no. one. Okay.
1: Bueller. (laughs) Patience. Bueller. Patience.
0: Do we know what this is? Anyone? Anyone? It is a chocolate pot. And to use a chocolate pot, it can make your... Do we know this? Anyone? A focus. A focus of your power. Which is... Oh my god. (laughs) Sorry, we're still in May.
1: (laughs) While taking the boats out on the water, Cece notices someone watching them. She goes ashore and finds the skulker, James, again. They have a bit of a standoff with Cece threatening to tell that he was spying on Dorothea, and James saying uh, he could, in return, make bad insinuations about Cece sneaking off alone to meet a boy. During the discussion, James produces a strange blue snuff box that, like many other things, will likely be explained later. Cece eventually gives up and heads back, her uh, l'esprit de l'escalier cropping up. Once back at Tarleton Hall, Dorothea receives alarming news her mother is coming, and she will no doubt force Dorothea to go to London. Uh, that French statement in there was, um, staircase wit, which is where you think of the perfect retort, uh, after you've already left a situation.
0: Oh, okay. Um, Leave it to the yeah. French to have a term for that.
1: Right? Because I feel it every time I have a conversation with someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you think they have a term for when you, uh, when you will have arguments in your head? with someone and win, even though the argument is about nothing and you may not have even seen the person in, like, years, but, like, in your head, you're like, I just kicked their butt. Maybe in I German. Totally told them. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we have more social engagements for Kate, with an event hosted by the Lady Hasseltine coming up. Just, again, don't worry about it. Kate has run into the Marquis twice more. The first time, she was with Oliver at the park, and the Marquis was less than tolerable of the boy. The second was at a dinner in which her mind wandered from George Grenville's story of a horse race to the handsome features of the Marquis. She also complains about Frederick Holly Dean and his obsession with Latin, and suggests Cece speak to one Mrs. Foley about the charm bag. Oh, PPS Sir Bedrick sends his regards. Cece at first has little luck regarding the charm bag. Um, she tried to get more information out of Dorothy about her awful mother, but learned little cc and some of the others visit bedrick's hedge maze and cc sneaks off to explore his library she borrows some books on charms but is discovered by james he is growing ever more suspicious of her especially in regards to her apparent distaste of the arrival of miranda griscom now where have we heard that first name before the pair are discovered and james covers up for them both cc returns home and pours over the charm book hoping for answers More fancy events. Georgie flirts with several other boys to make Oliver jealous. Meanwhile, Kate sneaks off by herself and finds herself in a thicket where she is compelled to touch a tree, at which point she becomes frozen and can no longer hear. She begins to panic until Thomas arrives and chants a spell to rescue Kate. She returns to the party and finds Georgie in a bit of a squabble, explaining that she never meant to lead any of the other boys on. She just wanted to make Oliver angry. Kate tells her that Oliver was supposed to show up tonight, but he seems to have gone missing and... And they can't tell anyone without revealing the whole of the situation. Miranda Griscom comes for Dorothea, and Cece wouldn't be surprised if she is in fact the same Miranda that Kate encountered. She intends to take Dorothea away immediately. Dorothea tells Kate uh, Miranda is merely her stepmother, likely just to get her father's fortune. Furthermore, Miranda intends for Dorothea to marry Thomas, which is odd because didn't Miranda try to poison him? It is then announced that James Tarleton has convinced Miranda to stay in town for at least one more day. He has apparently convinced that Miranda and Cece are in cahoots. cahoots. Cece tells Kate <laughs> Cece tells Kate that if they haven't found Oliver by her next letter, she'll she's going to tell her papa that Oliver is missing. Also, she's sending two protective charm bags that she constructed for Kate and Oliver, but each of them needs a lock of hair to work. Okay. I'm gonna stop there. I like some of the um some of the old-timey phrasing of things to avoid talking about uh, specific topics, like uh, saying to go to the bathroom that she would like to the use necessary. the necessary, mm-hmm. or, you know, I would like to use the please and thank you key.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're a gentleman in scholarship.
1: scholarship.
0: <laughs> um, I remember reading um, a Miss Marple mystery, and, I mean, she's an old bag, but, uh, like, her... Um, I think she, uh, she was always embarrassed to say bathroom or allude to it but yeah. uh, one of the code words well, it wasn't necessary but it's like oh will you show me upstairs and they're supposed to know she needs to use the bathroom <laughs> I was like I would have no idea I'd be all like you can go upstairs it's fine <laughs> like, just go <laughs> I spent most of this book thinking James sucks yeah <laughs> he sucks
1: okay. yeah he does
0: Sorry. No, not sorry. I I put that he's a suspicious bitch.
1: As I read it, I was kind of like, well, obviously she and James are going to get together. But yeah. But that just, that just feels like it's like, well, everybody has to romance somebody. And I'm like, uh, but not him.
0: Yeah. Like, how about someone who like isn't all like, hey, if you say I've been spying, I'm going to tell everyone I fingered you in the woods. And she's like, what? Which, I mean, he doesn't say it like that, but that's basically what that meant. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean if, if you were to rewrite this book with like more modern blunt language yeah it would be significantly more vulgar there is a there's a lot going on that they allude to um
0: yeah and uh there's a lot of from Kate and cecilia it took me a while to like them. I don't know if I ever quite got there to fully liking them, but they had this, like, we're not like other girls kind of vibe that I didn't like. Right. <laughs> Where they just talked about how stupid Georgie was all the time without really giving any examples. It's just like, oh, so she's pretty and, like, well-liked by dudes, so she's automatically yeah, so stupid. She
1: has to be awful. Yeah. yeah.
0: And she really didn't sound that way. Well, I mean, towards the end, there was kind of a discovery made where i was like oh okay so she does suck but uh they didn't know that up to that point they were just call calling her like calling her stupid and uh they were kind of doing the same thing with dorothea but she really did seem insipid so i'll give them that but with georgie i don't think we really got much of a yeah example
1: Speak- Speaking of Georgie, I have no concept of the ages of most of these characters. I spent the entire book until the last couple of chapters thinking that Georgie was older than Kate. Mm-hmm. And then it, there's something that explicitly states otherwise. And then I did James. I was like, he's got to be pretty close to CC's age. But then it talks about like his this whole yeah, like, they're in the, war. Yeah, like the war or whatever. And yeah. it's like, well, so how long was he t- in the war? How long was he war? How much was
0: he warring? (laughs) Well, people did go to the war. uh, They could join the military a lot really younger. Like, if you ever watched uh, Master and Commander, there was a little officer, little boy. He was, like, 12. So you could join up really early and then, you know... But that wasn't so much, like, you know, rich dudes. So, um... Yeah. I'm assuming... Okay, I figured... Yeah, I was thrown off by, like, oh, we were in the war. I'm like, oh, shit, okay, so, like, you're in your 20s? So you must be in your 20s. And I feel like the girls are probably in their late teens is where I'm going to think they're at.
1: Yeah, I was guessing 16-ish, maybe a little older.
0: Maybe Georgie. Maybe figure, Georgie's if it, 16, but I feel like Kate and Cecilia are in their later teens, like 18, 19.
1: I have... No idea, like, when is, like, when, when, what is the age to, like, first debut? Like, I, I always thought I it was slightly there. younger to give them a few extra years to.
0: I think, like, 16, 17 is, like, the youngest where you, when you go. Um, I think some parents were kind of like, I'm gonna let her wait a while. <laughs> Cause you know, cause you know your kid the best. And it's like, okay, she's really impulsive. One boy's gonna be all like, "Hey, I like you," wink, and she's gonna go off in a carriage with him. So, how about wait until she's older and a little bit more sensible, but not too old. So, let's we're talking like maybe 19 or 20, right? <laughs> it was like crazy. We don't want to end accidentally make a blue stocking here. I got into an argument with someone about blue stockings. He was convinced it was something dirty, and I'm like, no, it's that's the name for the women who didn't get married and were, like, academic. The blue stockings. Crusty old bitch. That's what I kept calling James in my notes. C-O-B? <laughs> <laughs> He's all like, yeah, chairman of the board. I'm like, no. <laughs> okay, should we continue?
1: Yeah. Okay, so... Kate gets some hair to complete the charm bags, uh, but that's not nearly as interesting as what happens that evening. Thomas comes by with two important bits of information. The first is that Oliver is safe. He uh, is a tree. He he found he <laughs> he found him turned into a tree in the same place where they found Kate. Uh, so he has rescued him and taken him to a safe location that he will not disclose. Second is that Thomas would like Kate to be his fiance. She doesn't actually have to marry him once the season is over, but Miranda and Sir Bedrick are plotting to send someone that Thomas will magically fall in love with in order to get their revenge on him. The best protection is to already be engaged, but to someone who won't take it seriously. Therefore, Kate is the best option. She agrees, but doesn't like being pitted against Bedrick, a longtime family friend. Um, ever since Dorothea left for London, the local boys have seemed completely indifferent to the lack of Dorothea. <laughs> Robert, the only one Dorothea also had affection for, seems upset that she is gone. Cece suggests that Kate try to sow dissent between Miranda and Bedrick in an attempt to move their attention away from Kate, Oliver, and Thomas. To do so, unfortunately, would temporarily bring more of Miranda's attention towards her, but it may be better in the long run. Later, Cece talks with Robert and suggests he propose to Dorothea before Miranda has a chance to set her up with someone else. He is sure Dorothea's parents won't accept him due to his lack of station, but Cece convinces him to try, if she can get word to Dorothea first. Uh, Cece passes the buck to Kate, because Miranda may read anything sent straight to Dorothea. Upon returning home, Cece is informed that she missed a visit from one James Tarleton. Dorothea arrives in London, and since then, all of the men have immediately been flocking to her. Kate meets Miranda and lays it on pretty thick that her engagement to Thomas is merely a job. However, she makes it seem like Bedrick put her up to it to so dissent. Later, Kate is out for a walk with some other acquaintances when the footbridge she is on unnaturally disintegrates, dropping her into the water. There seems to be no lasting damage for her, though another patron did break an arm. The next day, Thomas asks Kate to back out of the engagement as his plan has changed. She tells him she will if he promises not to involve Dorothea in whatever he's up to. And if he dishes Kate for Dorothea, it means the attraction spell that is obviously in place on Dorothea is too powerful for him to resist. He disappears before she can fully state her case, and Kate can only hope that he paints her in a favorable light when he starts telling everyone the engagement is off. Cece sends Kate another charm bag, this one for Thomas. She believes that the magic that makes Dorothea irresistible to men only works when they are near her, and that Thomas leaving London may be his safest option. Earlier, Cece went on a carriage ride with James, who apologized for being suspicious of her. He can't explain his own involvement in spying on Dorothea, however, and Cece goes on a walk alone. She soon senses an impossible heat and goes back to find James struggling with something. Uh, She finds him being strangled by a ribbon the same color that Miranda was wearing the last time Cece saw her. Cece pours out her charm bag on the ribbon uh, to free James, at which point he comes at least somewhat clean. He is allied with Thomas, and the ugly snuff box that he carries around is an enchanted gift from Thomas to resist the spell that is on Dorothea. He's impressed that Cece can make charm bags and asks to take the empty bag to show it to someone. Cece acquiesces, cuts up the ribbon, and closes her letter to Kate with news that Robert Penwood is searching for Dorothea's father to help clean up some of his mess. Kate is sick in bed and kind of goes a little stir crazy because uh, she has nothing to do but uh, trade gossip. Um, James comes to take Cece to Tarleton Hall. James comes to take CC to Tarleton Hall as the friend he showed her charm bag to is interested in meeting her. On the way, she convinces him to take her by Bedrick's estate so she can sneakily return the book that she stole. They go to the library where Cece sneakily replaces the book by asking to search for her missing fan and then knocking some books off the shelf, slipping the stolen one into the mix. She notices a book in the pile by one Everard Tanistry and recalls that this is Miranda's maiden name. She doesn't have a chance to take it, however, as Sir Hilary Bedrick enters the library, now back from London. They make small talk before Cece and James head out, and James is now concerned about being on Bedrick's radar. They reach Charlton Hall, where a Mr. Rexton, a wizard friend of Cece's father, awaits. He is most impressed by her charm bag and offers to help teach her magic, without Aunt Elizabeth finding out, of course. Cece sends more charm bags Kate's way and hopes Robert manages to stay off Miranda's radar until she is dealt with.
0: Okay, so um, the placid, like proper Englishness of it all is like kind of fun and charming up to a point. But then it makes it really hard to understand when something supernatural happens. She's so like, right? <laughs> "Wait, what? What happened?" And you're like, "Oh, okay, he's getting choked out by a ribbon, but what?" Because <laughs> it's just all yeah, like, a... "This is the outside of enough," and you're like, "What?"
1: Yeah, they they have a way with the language in this of making everything have almost the exact same level of importance, drama, yeah. and tension. Yeah. So you, it's really hard to tell when things are spiking. Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, it's warm," and then a page later, I was like wait, is he getting choked out? Yeah,
0: that's why I wrote that in my notes. I was like, I don't like that.
1: (laughs) After about 100 pages, I started noticing a couple of sentences that I particularly enjoyed. One of them is how they phrase it when Dorothy first comes to town, and it says, As one, every man young enough to walk without a stick surged towards her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she shows up and really steals Georgie's thunder. (laughs) And Georgie's kind of sitting there like, I'm, What? I earned this honestly just by being pretty like I think Dorothy is pretty too but she also has that you know Xander Harris magic thing on her
1: yeah I also like the insults of being like cockle-headed and (laughs) goose-witted and then when Cece is riding with James and uh, she decides that she wants to get down and walk uh, James is like, well, I can't leave the horses. And she's like, you don't need to. I'm perfectly capable. Of I have since I horse. was two. I've been doing it since I was two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that, too. And I was just like, he needed that. He's such a yeah. he's such a COB. I hate him. <laughs> and yet he seemed like less antagonistic and annoying than um the Marquis. Oh, I don't think you mentioned it. I don't think I wrote it in my notes, but there was that, that funny part. I think it did come earlier because it that happened with Oliver where he came across the marquee and he got all like flud- flubber, uh, flatter. I can't sentence. I'm sorry, but like he got all flustered or whatever. And um, and he's like, "Oh, how's what do you call that way that you tie your cravat?" And he goes, "It's the way I tie my cravat."
1: The way I tie my cravat. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and, and Kate's like, "Wow, that was super rude." And I was just like, "I thought it was super funny."
1: <laughs> it is funny, but Thomas is also he's a he's a real jerk. Like. Everything he says to Kate is like, "You're stupid. Why are you so stupid?" Yeah, it's like, "How are you so
0: dumb?" I really admire the way your hair is falling out of its pins down your back, and you're like, "Okay, asshole." So my hair's a little unruly. I'm not a marquee. I don't have someone who can do my hair he for is, me. He is,
1: he is nagging her so hard. So
0: hard. And I was just like, "Boy, I don't like. I don't like either of these boys. Oh, they're so mean."
1: Hey, hey what? Hey, you're ugly and dumb. You want to blow me?
0: <laughs> that is the outside of enough. Hold my reticule. <laughs> 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 they say it at the, uh-huh. the outside of enough like so many times and i was like let's yeah. stop saying that
1: what else do i like i like uh when cc uh is trying to figure out a way to convince like the butler at bedrick's house to let her come in and uh she comments to james she's like it is most annoying to be faced with someone who refuses to accept even the most plausible subterfuge <laughs> james or I guess Cece is talking about like the stuff that Kate's been informing her, and James is like, "How much has she told you?" And usually the response in that, and like any other story, is like, "Enough." Yeah. Or the whole thing, and she's like, "If one does not know the whole, it is impossible to say how large a part of it one does know." And I'm like, "That's true." Like, how are you supposed to know if you know all of it or it's not? It's
0: a very polite bitch. To say what?
1: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He'd say
1: what? Just say what? He'd go, what? Like, ah june 1817 dorothy comes by with a gift for kate from thomas a seashell it seems perfectly ordinary but when kate holds it up to her, her ear she hears thomas warn her not to go to countess livin's party that night kate crushes the seashell and decides to go anyways
0: <laughs> Sorry. he's just such an asshole that it's like yeah i'd have done it too
1: yeah. <laughs> uh. At the party, Thomas is disappointed to see her because it ruins his plan. You see, he has only been feigning interest in Dorothea to make Miranda think her plan is working. With Kate there and him having to stay close to protect her, there is no way to keep up his charade. Kate discerns that if Thomas has no interest in Dorothea, he certainly must have interested in her. To get her out of the party early, Thomas curses Kate with a headache. He takes her away and tells her a bit about the enchanted chocolate pot. The magic, whatever it was, was meant to go into a pocket watch. But the ceremony was disrupted by one of Sir Bedrick's spells locating Thomas, and the spell redirected to a nearby chocolate pot instead, with Thomas's magic mixing along with a bit of Bedrick's. None of this really explains much, so the mystery deepens. Uh, thanks to Cece's teachings, she now has some insight on the chocolate pot. Some magicians need a magical focus to make their spells stronger, and the chocolate pot unintentionally became Thomas's focus being without it means thomas's magic is significantly weakened Cece has tea at sir bedrick's during which bedrick has the chocolate pot on the table in full display Cece tries to play it off and thinks she did pretty well uh, but she figures bedrick suspects something of her if he's displaying the chocolate pot or more likely a copy so plainly bedrick also inquires about oliver Uh, So Cece figures he knows something about her brother's situation. She also notices James sneaking around outside and hasn't gotten word from him in a few days. Uh, By the way, if we haven't talked about it, James is absolutely the worst at sneaking. And he
0: thinks he isn't, even though she's told him repeatedly, like, I found you every time. I always spot you. And he's like, I'm sure it's fine. She's like, I'm sure it isn't. (laughs) You're not subtle, dude. James is just very much like, I don't take criticism.
1: He's just, like, running across the yard, like...
0: I know, I'm just picturing this in a film, like, how funny it would be, and her making a are-you-kidding-me face, and then maybe distracting everyone for a second so they don't look at him, right. and just like, oh, why'd you wear red, you know? <laughs> like.
1: Or, like, him him <laughs> dropping something halfway across the yard and having to double back for it. Oh, no,
0: yeah, he's running so much that his hat flies off, and he has to run back and pick up his hat again, and then come running back, and she's just sitting there like, you are such an asshole.
1: <laughs> Kate goes to the opera... Uh, where she fills Thomas in on CeCe's encounter with the chocolate pot. The conversation, <laughs> I with can't, the I can't not
0: pot. say it. <laughs> <laughs> this pot, chocolate pot's like, what you gonna do, bitch? You're like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> this is a really aggressive chocolate pot. I didn't even know chocolate pots were a thing. I thought you just had a pot and maybe you put chocolate in it. But I guess there used to be a thing where it's like, oh, that's clearly meant for chocolate.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't know a chocolate pot from looking at it. Yeah,
0: I, I wouldn't know until you poured it out, and you're like, oh, this isn't...
1: I'd just be like, oh, ice water, don't mind if I do. And you're like,
0: crap, <laughs> it's a hot drink, <laughs> never mind. I just pour it back into the pot, they're all horrified, and you're like, why not? <laughs> I didn't drink from it yet. <laughs> I hate English people, this sucks.
1: <laughs> the conversation turns to Kate's first run-in with Miranda and the poison chocolate, which Thomas clarifies was not actually oh, for poison. for fuck's sake. In fact, little harm would likely have come to her had she drunk it. He suspects it was a catalyst to release uh, his magical energies, so another, namely Miranda and Bedrick, could use it for themselves. Since Kate splashed Miranda with the catalyst, her power has been temporarily lessened. Later, Kate is talking to Lady Jersey, who, through a series of convoluted statements, manages to clarify that Miranda was once in love with Thomas's elder brother, Edward, and only married Mr. Griscombe after Edward's passing. This just adds another layer of drama, now doesn't it? This is one of the things that I feel like might have been improved if they had done more, like, after the writing exercise, if they had done more talking about the actual plot, is that you have a lot of these things where it's like, here's a revelation, and then it's, like, retcon after retcon of mm. um, and between that and like having to explain stuff in a very roundabout way because they, they don't know what the other person is really talking about yet. So they have to, they have to reveal it very slowly to make sure that they're like keeping up and not ruining each other's story. I feel like that kind of made it more difficult for them to have a logical through line with some of these things where it's like, I can see now looking back how that makes sense because some of it's like, well, I guess, but it, <laughs> really seemed like something else this whole time at
0: the same time it feels pretty true to life where you get information you're like wait wait what and then either gets clarified or it's like actually it was this or uh, i think they kind of shone a light on it once it was like when james was like not james as the other one there's god they're interchangeable thomas and thomas that's it was uh meebling about the chocolate pot and she's like i don't get what's going on and then cc in her letters, like, okay. Ignore his muddle headed explanation. This is what a focus is. <laughs> this is what the talk, toggle pot yeah. is. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's pretty true to life, particularly now when months ago we were told, like, don't wear masks. It's a waste of time. And yeah. now we're supposed to wear masks everywhere. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think I, much I, of I, it, probably because of where I'm at now. <laughs> you know? Right. So I was just like, nope, sounds, <laughs> seems legit to me. Especially yeah. when you're trying to get your information from someone who doesn't explain themselves very well, like the lady jersey where you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's also coupled with the fact that everybody that isn't Cece and Kate, for some reason or another, are really bad at explaining what's going on. So you always end up with situations where it's like, here's one bit of information tucked in a bunch of I-can't-tell-you-all-of-the-rest-of-this and it's like...
0: now Are they bad okay, at explaining I get it. or are they bad at listening and understanding?
1: They have just very low charisma scores in general. <laughs> Um everybody is just terrible <laughs> at conversation. Well, you
0: know, it's like when she fell in love with the brother. The brother who? Oh, Thomas. She fell in love with Thomas. No, the brother. What?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, I've been in that conversation so many times. Though I think I have been the lady jersey on more than 5 occasions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, Mr. Rexon comes by, and Cece tries to casually ask him about the title of the book by Miranda's relative. Uh, the title being Epicyclical Elaborations of Sorcery, or Horcrux.
0: Basically, yeah.
1: Rexton tells her that it is a sort of dark magic, and that is all she needs to know, which just makes her more interested in getting her hands on the book. Later, Cece goes riding and runs into James. He asks her to deliver a message to Thomas through Kate. The message is simple. Don't contact James directly. Bedrick is up to something magical. He has the chocolate pot, and Thomas is running out of time. Cece agrees to send the message and to happen by in his direction periodically so she can deliver Thomas's response or send more messages on James' behalf. After a brief and awkward visit from a man named Strangle, (laughs) Kate and her household attend a musical event. During this, Kate sneaks away to visit Thomas and finds Frederick Hollydean passed out drunk in Thomas's office. Frederick is carried away by the butler and Kate delivers James's message to Thomas. She then manages to get a little more info out of Thomas. After Thomas left Bedrick's tutelage, Bedrick was insistent on controlling Thomas's use of magic. This desire lingers magically in the chocolate pot and gives Bedrick a sort of magical link to Thomas. He then explains that the reason he played along with the spell on Dorothea was to keep Miranda in a predictable pattern he also suggests kate may have some magical aptitude since she was able to find the door to the garden where she met miranda without even looking for it at this point uh, aunt charlotte comes to collect kate and scolds her for running off to talk to thomas all under the pretense of finding info on oliver thomas produces a vague letter about oliver to help lend credence to kate's alibi Nevertheless, Kate is taken back home, giving her much time to reflect on the day's events. Cece gets hold of the book on Epicypical... Epi... Epi... The,
0: the, the Tanistry book. Just call yeah. it that.
1: Gets a hold of the Tanistry book by adding it to the list of books her father's page borrows from Bedrick's library. She discovers that the topic in question is the act of stealing another person's magic, often killing them in the process. Uh, A.K.A. exactly what was pretty much already spelled out. Uh, Cece is concerned about the fact that Bedrick seems to be the main villain, not Miranda, and is too distracted by the horrors of epicyclical elaborations to focus on her charms class. She later meets up with James, who is frustrated that Thomas sent no reply. James elaborates on the history between Edward Sheffield and Miranda, saying that she used the same spell that was on Dorothea to make herself appealing during her season, which is how Edward, Thomas's brother, got involved. Thomas created the snuffbox for Edward to release him from the magic, and once he realized he didn't love Miranda at all, Miranda sought revenge by teaching Hilary Bedrick how to siphon magic from Thomas, leading to the current situation. Then there's some stuff about the war and comments on small details of the last letter, and I realized at this point that between the flowery language retreading of topics between letters and a strange little asides, this book actually has a lot of material that doesn't directly tie to the main story.
0: Um, yeah, my notes, I was... Uh, counting out the pages, I filled 15 pages for this whole book, is how much extraneous stuff I was like, that doesn't need to be discussed, so.
1: How much do you think you usually fill?
0: Oh, I- I don't- I don't know. I- I filled up nearly half the book on Fablehaven.
1: (laughs) But yeah, this- I don't know if I would- I'm hesitant to use the word padding, because that seems- maybe more judgmental about the use of it uh, but there is a lot of material in here that you could trim out and you would still get the main story and not feel like you've lost much of that
0: but at the uh, same time they're all like wow these are very single minded girls they're in london why isn't they all like oh ps i found like a hat for you you know like why isn't that happening so right, it, it does
1: right like it it does add a yeah. little bit to like the idea that they have a life outside of this weird situation that's going mm-hmm. on. So. Georgie asks about Oliver's status and Kate can only give her the generic response that he's fine, which is not enough for Georgie. She's concerned about what he might be getting up to. Apparently, Kate's family has a history of gambling because not only is Georgie concerned that Oliver might be gaming while he's out, Kate finds a logbook of wagers Georgie has partaken in, which explains why Kate's pearl earrings have disappeared. Kate attends another ball where Thomas looks sicker than ever. Miranda comes by, along with Thomas's mother, Lady Sylvia. She invites Kate to come by sometime and hear stories of Thomas' childhood, and there's no way Kate is passing that up. Yep. Um, after meeting with James, who blames himself for letting Bedrick take the chocolate pot before James learned exactly what it was, Cece decides to take action. She convinces her aunt that they should visit Bedrick, and she brings along the book on epicyclical elaborations uh, to stealthily return. During tea, Bedrick serves chocolate from Thomas's pot. Cece creates a distraction just long enough to accidentally topple the tea table. (laughs) And then smashes the chocolate pot to smithereens. She, like, spikes it on the ground. (laughs)
0: Like she's in the end zone. Bam!
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She then proceeds to do some sort of weird pelvic thrusting motion to the audience (laughs) uh, as celebration.
0: And then this guy in a black and white striped shirt comes running out, blowing his whistle, like, No, 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 no end zone dances.
1: But it's too late because she's already pouring Gatorade (laughs) on Aunt Elizabeth. Elizabeth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs)
1: Okay. Uh, The the look in Bedrick's eyes says he knows that she did this on purpose, and things are immediately made worse when Aunt Elizabeth discovers the book in Cece's pocket and takes it out in plain view of everyone. She accuses Bedrick of trying to corrupt Cece the way he got to William, whoever that is, and throws the book at his (laughs) head. She takes Cece home, confiscates all of Cece's magical supplies, and grounds her. Cece hopes that breaking the pot will help Thomas, because now Thomas can create a new focus that Bedrick can't siphon from. The next morning, Cece awakes feeling rather sick and assumes it's the flu. No. Uh, Kate visits Sylvia, who turns out to be an adept wizard herself. She approves of Cece's handiwork with the charm bags, then uses a magic ink pot to scry on Sir Bedrick. She and Kate watch the exact moment Cece destroys the <laughs> chocolate pot. They rush upstairs and find Thomas feeling much better already. Kate then fills Sylvia in on most of what's going on. She asks if Aunt Elizabeth was Elizabeth Rushton, and suggests that Cece's magical aptitude runs in the family, and that's all she's going to say about that.
0: Oh, okay. Never mind, so my notes has some overlap for July, because uh, I don't have anything to talk about until we get there. And I just, like, because I think I took the most notes about... Oh, I I did say, like, a lot of the problems here could be resolved with more communication. So uh, this really drove me insane. Sometimes it's because of the propriety of the time, which at least makes narrative sense. But a lot of time, it's just because the dudes just refuse to listen. Even though Cecilia even said specifically, like, hey, let's all get on the same page, please. Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, these two...
1: But they're like, no, it's my problem. I must solve it myself. Okay,
0: but it's not though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty little head.
0: And they like, I feel like James in particular, like, I'm going to jump to all these conclusions and then run off on my own. And he's like, okay, but you know you suck, right? And he doesn't know he sucks. He really doesn't know he sucks. It's really embarrassing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he and Charlotte should uh, have a talk because they don't know yeah. that. They suck.
0: Um, not only do they not know they suck, but they think they're great. And it's like, no, no, you're not. (laughs) Do you, do you get it? (laughs) Which it feels like that's what Cecilia does in every conversation. Just like, bro, no. (laughs) <laughs> why did it not occur to either of you to just smash the pot? I was like, it can't be that easy, can it? And like, yes, it can. And I'm like, why
1: didn't you it do is, it? It is. exactly that easy. <laughs> why wouldn't that be the first thing you do? Right? You have you have all of these pages of like these crazy acrobatics of like I'm going to uh, pretend this so that Miranda will uh, lay off me just long enough for this to happen. To smash like, the
0: pot. Yeah. I thought they were. It's. Ceramic. I thought they had to like preserve it. Because then, like, his life and everything is tied to it. So I was like, oh, maybe they need to preserve it. But it's like, no, actually, it's just released from it, and he's fine. And you're like, oh. And I think even the mom says, like, I told him to smash that fucking thing. (laughs) He didn't do it. (laughs) It's just, ugh, it's so frustrating. I think these dudes, maybe it's because they were in the war or something, and they're all like, everything has to be more elaborate. Everything has to be, like, a scheme. We have to have, like, all these plans while well, the girls are like, well, why don't you just, like, go around the corner and solve the problem? And they're like, that's not how it's done, you yeah. silly woman, and your hair's ugly. And you're like, what? That, what does that have to do with anything? Just
1: smash the pot, you yeah. dumbass. I mean, the theme of the book is boys are stupid, throw rocks at them. <laughs>
0: God, they need, they need boulders thrown at them. These guys suck so hard.
1: This Mr. Strangle guy, who has nothing to do really with anything, he does make a comment uh, to Kate. He says... I would have judged you a passionate young lady. Women with wide mouths often are, I've discovered.
0: Yeah, I was like, what? And I like the line after that where she's like, she just stands, sits there looking at him in horror that he'd say something so filthy and that the aunt noticed yeah. and then they kept an eye on him the rest of the thing. Like, what did this asshole say? <laughs> I was like, do you mean like blowjobs?
1: What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, "Excuse me, sir."
0: <laughs> I had something weird said like that to me once. I lived in a college town. And I'm like walking yeah. to the bus stop in the morning, and like this dude is walking alongside of me, and goes like, "Hi," and then starts talking to me about God. And I'm not gaudy.
1: And then there's a little uh, goth girl on the other Who's side like, of the road. Yeah. Like, give peace a chance. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. But um, he starts, like, talking to me about God and stuff. And and um, I'm not religious. So but I was just like, I'm just going to be polite. I don't ever have to see him again. It doesn't matter. Like, I guess I could be rude, but I'd rather not start my day that way. So I was just like, uh huh, okay. And he goes like, just so you know, if you just need to get on your knees and then say to God with your mouth. And I'm just like, this sounds really filthy. And I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> like, I got away pretty quickly. But uh, then I like spoke to people about it later and they all gave me this horrified look. And I was like, yeah, I think he told me to blow Jesus.
1: You need to get on your knees, open your mouth, and swallow God's love. Yeah,
0: might take a while. Fondle is... Never mind. Oh, this is going weird.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, yeah, there's finally some, like, actual explanation of what the whole epicyclical elaborations thing is. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds bad, but they were making it sound like it's the worst thing ever, but I think that might be a little bit of the English of it of being like it's you know it's positively ghastly and i'm like yeah i was thinking like torturing babies or something (laughs) and then it did the thing where it like talks about the magic being in the chocolate pot allowing for hillary to have like a connection and stuff and it was one of those things where like yes it explained it kind of explicitly at that point but it was pretty easy for like when it got to that point i was like yeah i know all this you could really easily have pieced it together already like really really easily figured out exactly what was going on so when it explained exactly what was going on i it felt kind of anticlimactic cuz i was like i thought you already told me that
0: i mean it should have been news like for like oh yeah if you break it that's fine you just find a new focus i mean that's the news yeah. and you're just like oh cool but i'm going right. to break this
1: <laughs> right that was that was the only new thing is like if you smash the thing is all done end of story while, fi- like, James is just, James, damn it. Thomas is just like, no,
0: I'm not getting my power sucked. I think I just have mono. And they're like, dude, come on.
1: Oh my gosh, J- James whining where he's like, Thomas trusted me and I let him down, he said in that infuriatingly stubborn tone, men use when they're discussing things like cards and politics and the military, which they don't think females understand. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know that tone.
0: <laughs> I saw a video that reminded me of you. Um, it's that, uh, comedian Chris Fleming, who's really big on YouTube. And he has a whole song, like, I'm afraid to talk to straight men. And it's just like, some of the nice ones want to talk about birds, but the rest of the time, it's like, just like you don't know how to navigate that kind of masculinity. And it's like, oh, what do I right. say? And then everyone in the comments, is like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you need to look into it. Oh, but there was like, okay. uh, just one more thing that you can, I almost sent you the video, but I was like, he might get offended. So I didn't send it. But the same comedian was um making fun of girls who've spent a semester in Paris. And suddenly they're like, or I think he was comparing them to people who have just started drinking coffee all the time. And it says that like, their smugness and like their level of like understanding and everything is like that person who's spent like a semester in Paris and suddenly thinks they just you know the town inside out. And then he's like, he's also like the people who eat the fruit-on-the-bottom yogurt. And he goes, fruit-on-the-bottom sounds like a homophobic uncle's rule about bunk beds. And as soon as I said <laughs> that line, I thought of you. I don't know how you want to take that.
1: <laughs> I was trying to figure out what point it was going to connect to me because I was like, well, I don't like fruit-on-the-bottom yogurt. Uh, Sorry,
0: I kind of had to try and I, get there. I couldn't have just gone right to fruit-on-the-bottom yogurt.
1: Yeah but that thing about the the semester abroad is so true because that's a that, that's the same mentality that like um or a similar mentality to anybody who like goes on like a vacation or or does anytime you do something that like gets you out of your element and it immerses you in something for even a little bit all of a sudden you come back and that's the only thing you'll talk about for like
0: yeah because you went on eat pray love quest you was like shut yeah. up <laughs>
1: Yeah, like in um in high school, I had friends that would go and they would either do like church retreats or they would do like summer camp uh counseling and stuff like that. And they would go and they do this for like six weeks and they would come back and spend the entire rest of the year talking about it. And it's the most alienating experience because I'm like, these are my good friends that I would normally talk to about literally anything. And all they want to do is talk about this thing that I wasn't there for because they left to go do it. And it's like that's the entirety of who they are now, and it's really unpleasant. (laughs) So if you ever find yourself going and having a great time doing something elsewhere, cool, enjoy it, talk about it. But also remember that that is just a very small moment in your life and that you still have other people and uh, other things about you. It
0: doesn't need to need to become your personality type.
1: Right, exactly. You're not, like, summer it's camp It's not like
0: we're talking bronies now. here. Like, you can have an identity outside of a thing you've done or liked. I don't even care that I just dunked on bronies.
1: Uh, you mean the same way that she dunked the chocolate pot?
0: <laughs> she dunked it so much cooler.
1: <laughs> she smashes it. She's like, take that, bro. And bronies. then she used
0: the chocolate to smear the crappy dress she hated. And then my Aunt Caesar's like, so, okay, I feel like this all happened because plot were like, why did she, like, the aunt's cleaning her up, why did she dig in her pockets? Like, yeah. that was weird, and then like, call, start to call her out in front of everybody for, like, what did I tell you about carrying books? And I was like, is it really, like, how do you say propriety? Because you say, like, impropriety, oh. and then, like, okay, is that...
1: Yeah.
0: Like, how's that proper to, like... Yeah, per- completely...
1: I was gonna say proprietary, but nope, it was like,
0: owning no, that's shit. Like when you're... The... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't own this book! <laughs> <laughs> well
1: and that's true well
0: she did not that's true but um i don't know is it like proper to like ball someone out in front of everybody at like a tea table like like, i told you not to carry around books i'm like why is that a rule that's a really weird rule
1: i guess once the tea table is collapsed everything's up. yeah
0: i mean they're all like you clearly didn't accidentally do that (laughs) how do you accidentally throw it down as hard as you can And it's weird that he didn't have any magical protection on it to prevent it from breaking, especially if he was gonna drag it out every freaking tea party. So she was probably like, "Let's see if this even breaks," and then it did. And it's like, "Oh, okay, he
1: sucks. Everyone sucks." Yeah. Well, his it's the dang it's the whole masculine ego thing. Women don't break things. We do. (laughs) Yeah, women don't break things, and I have done this so perfectly that no one will ever figure it out. And even if they'll just think he
0: has mono. Whatever. Yeah, I, I, I just thought it was super convoluted and that it had to happen because of plot. Yeah, just yeah. like, oh, and she has this in her pocket. And then jumps to the conclusion that he's teaching her magic. Like, why would he start with that? Yeah. Like, I'd start with charm bags. Like, <laughs> Right.
1: All right, kids. Uh, so after you have learned your numbers one to ten, we're going to go into advanced geometry. And then we're going to suck each other's souls out through chocolate plots. Ready?
0: <laughs> I was told we'd learn um... cursive. <laughs> My, my mom said I can't have chocolate until after My mom says I can't have my salt <laughs> <laughs> sucked. Okay, maybe we should move on to July now. That's like the last okay. month, right?
1: July. Uh, Cece's lethargy lasts for several days. She <laughs> explains some of what has been going on to her father, who agrees to help convince Aunt Elizabeth to let Cece continue learning magic. He also reveals that Aunt Elizabeth is actually a powerful wizard, or at least she was, She fell in love with another wizard, William Camden, whose pursuit of magical knowledge from Bedrick's extensive library resulted in his death. Whatever the magic was, it must have been dark and powerful, and Elizabeth gave up her magical practice after William's death. A while later, James stops by and discovers what happened to the chocolate pot. Because he doesn't know the full magical implications of the pot, he is angry with Cece, which greatly upsets her. Later, Aunt Elizabeth gives Cece a new charm bag that she made herself, at which point Cece realizes the charm bag found in Oliver's room was made by Elizabeth as well to ward off the spell on Dorothea. Mr. Rexton visits and gives Cece a locket from her mother that he has enchanted, and as soon as Cece puts it on, she feels totally fine again. She realizes Bedrick must have cursed her and vows to be on her best behavior and not leave Elizabeth's side when they attend the upcoming party at Bedrick's. Uh, Kate has tea with Sylvia again, who inquires about Kate's engagement to Thomas. Kate can't lie to her and explains the circumstances of the engagement. Regardless, Sylvia must treat the situation properly, which includes presenting Kate with family jewels and all that. Later that week, Kate has tea with Dorothea and Robert, who has finally arrived in London. He stealthily slips a note to Dorothea, no doubt regarding his feelings for her. Uh, Cece meets with James, who tells her it's time for her to stop interfering. There seems to be some tension between James and Thomas. Furthermore, he is concerned about Cece's attending Bedrick's party. Which, by the way, do we have a real reason why she goes besides it's the proper thing to do?
0: I have that in my notes, too, because I'm like, because plot?
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He alludes to some unspoken danger being in store for him, but then backs off and apologizes for being so brusque with Cece. She updates him on Thomas. Cece also learns that her locket's enchantment has worn off, but she continues to wear it. Bedrick sends Aunt Elizabeth a note again, requesting her and Cece's attendance to the party, and also to bring Oliver if he should turn up. Why is he so interested in Oliver? Who
0: isn't interested in Oliver? Am I right, ladies and sirs?
1: I mean, everyone is not interested in Oliver. I
0: He's like drips.
1: Boring and dumb.
0: <laughs> That's why I just called him a drip. Drips are really in this (laughs) season. Do you want to have fun? Then don't bring Oliver.
1: (laughs) Do you want to have fun? Try next year. (laughs) Try next
0: year when fun people are in fashion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear boring is the new black?
0: Because here's Oliver. (laughs) No, this is the way I tie my cravat. I learned it from the Marquis Sheffield, who said it's called the way I tie my cravat. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh my gosh i can imagine him doing like like a youtube tutorial ah,
0: he totally That's would like... be but i want him to do it as a tree <laughs> <laughs> we're like how is this this is really good special effects <laughs> why does a tree need to wear a cravat where do he find a cravat that big is that just a beach towel and then he turns off the comments because he's sick of it oliver is totally a youtuber who would turn off the comments okay maybe you should go ahead
1: Okay, this is the this is like the grand finale. So do you have anything to say before we get into that?
0: Um, boobs. Nice. I was thinking nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead.
1: All right, Kate's big night. First, she stops by Lady Sylvia's in preparation for an event at Carlton House. Sylvia notices the charm bag with Thomas's bloody handkerchief, uh, which we haven't talked about. I forget when she gets the handkerchief. With that's that after
0: when he rips he her hand her off the tree that tried to eat her okay. or whatever, and she's bleeding, so he, like, wipes up with a handkerchief, and he's just all like, you're stupid and ugly, and she's like, yeah, I know, I've heard it from you.
1: Yeah, and then, like, the bloodstains dry a weird Purple. color, and then it seems, yeah, and it seems like it's gonna be a big thing, and then it's just like, oh, that's just your connection to Thomas, but I don't really get the color thing.
0: Um, he's rich in a marquee, so he has blue blood.
1: okay. Okay, then me fix
0: that
1: with red. Like, and in it makes purple. <laughs> okay. Sylvia notices the charm bag with Thomas's bloody handkerchief, it explains that Kate keeping this in her pocket is what connected her to Thomas. Among other things, this allowed Thomas to magically induce a headache on her. How romantic?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna make you ill. Uh,
1: That's... Because normally her charm bag would have protected her from this. Uh, Sylvia offers to take the charm bag and try to clean the handkerchief of its odd purple stains. At Carleton House, Kate is shown a number of interesting enchanted items. There's, like, a whole, there's, like, a, a wizard chess, and there's a, there's a Mohican, sh- oh, yeah. uh, Mohican a super- shaman drum, yeah. which casts out illness, but Mohican illnesses only.
0: Yeah, that's what happens <laughs> when you steal other cultures' stuff. It doesn't work for you. So maybe you should put it back. Uh,
1: yeah, I just... Assholes. <laughs> I just love that that it's like, well, yeah, it doesn't work for you at all because
0: you stole it. So,
1: you dummies.
0: <laughs> Sidebar: the this has been happening a lot in recent years with the British Museum. Like people, like, they plundered other countries and took shit. Like the countries right, now so
1: are like, like, excuse me, can I? Have my and stuff they're
0: like, back? no, because reasons. And you're like, no, you give it back.
1: Well, either their reason is always, well, you see, uh traditionally it's been housed here. And it's like, no, traditionally it was housed over here until you, you
0: colonialists came in here asking. and like completely raised my country and then took our shit. So give us back our shit. And they're like, well, the thing is, would you like tea? And tea? <laughs> tea isn't even yours. You took that from China. <laughs> Everything you identify as yours and particularly English. It's an even English. You fuckers. That blew my mind when I found that out. That tea's not even theirs. It's China. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like a younger teenager and I was just like, they took everything.
1: So a- after checking out the, the enchanted items, Kate sits down next to Dorothea, who is actually Dun, Miranda da, da. in disguise. Miranda <laughs> takes the engagement ring off Kate's finger and crushes it, hoping it will summon Thomas. Uh, the time has finally come for Miranda's revenge. Because of Thomas' lifetime of meddling with Miranda, her relationships, her research of dark magic, uh, she is going to steal Kate's youth right before Thomas' eyes. She then reveals that Dorothy had run off and married Robert already, which is why she could disguise herself as Dorothea, no problem. Miranda villainizes long enough for Sylvia to sneak in and cast a counterspell. She briefly floods Miranda with not only Miranda's own 75 years, but the years of Kate and Sylvia too. This disrupts the spell and is too much for Miranda's body, and she dies. Thomas rushes in, and as does the host of the party, the prince of something or other.
0: I think probably...
1: And, and Kate, Kate tells...
0: Just a just a thought. And he does... He just rush t- in. He. This dramatic bitch jumps through the conservatory window. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah. I'm here to save you. It's like, your mom already did that. <laughs> Actually, let's just leave it at. Like He
1: comes in... Your mom did that. No, literally your just, mother. Yeah
0: damn it you took my i was trying to build it up i was like let's tra- trot that back a little bit i've come to save you your mom literally your mom <laughs> anyway yeah the uh, comes running in like why'd you break my yeah. windows
1: <laughs> yeah and then uh, kate tells a very convincing and only sort of true explanation of what just transpired making thomas out to be <sighs> a hero
0: there's she is very thomas. stretching the truth <laughs> uh
1: the truth the only elements of the truth is that there was bad things yeah
0: every, everything
1: uh, she and Thomas head out alone, and Thomas thanks her. He then tells her that he would rather she not call off the marriage and stay with him, but for realsie. <laughs> her biggest complaint is he never properly proposed, but some smoochies and dancing in the night settle the matter. And now for Cece for right. the Cece attends Sir Bedrick's party and makes a point of keeping an eye on James while not actually spending time with him so Bedrick doesn't get any ideas. Bedrick accidentally steps on Cece's gown and tears it, then has Patience Eversley help Cece fix it. When Cece returns to the ballroom, James is gone, and Bedrick is slinking away. She follows, ending up in a garden remarkably similar to the one Kate first met Miranda in. James is there, immobile, and Bedrick appears behind Cece and binds her in place as well. He then sets up an array of candles for a spell and explains that when he's done, everyone will think Cece and James eloped, only to find James dead on the side of the road and Cece driven mad, uh, having supposedly been abducted by James instead. And nobody will have any proof that Bedrick was involved in all of this. Mwahaha. Bedrick then takes a drop of Cece's blood and uses it to create a tracking spell. He disappears briefly, and James takes this time to blame himself of
0: for he getting did.
1: involved. Bedrick returns with Oliver in tow, having found him hidden in Thomas's way across the state only a few miles away. He finally reveals his full plan. After discovering Cece and Oliver are distantly related to him, he has decided to use the epicyclical elaboration spell to steal Oliver's latent magic, killing him in the process. He will steal much of Cece's as well, enough to drive her mad, but not enough to kill her. His reason for teaming up with Miranda is that not all the secrets of the magic were in the book, because some were only passed down through the Tanistry family. Cece keeps asking questions to encourage his monologuing, which allows for rescue to arrive in the form of Mr. Rexton and Aunt Elizabeth. Rexton uh, had placed a tracking spell on Cece's locket, so as soon as Elizabeth noticed Cece was missing, they knew where to go. A magical duel between Rexton and Bedrick ensues. Mimicking some of the signs Cece saw Bedrick use earlier, along with a quick Greek lesson from James, Cece frees James from his magical binds, at which point James goes WWE (laughs) on Bedrick and smashes him (laughs) over the head with a chair.
0: That's the second time that, like, Braun has won out over Brains.
1: Yeah. Right? The danger abated, James kisses Cece and proposes, which Cece heartily accepts. Rexton takes Bedrick to the Royal College, where they will strip Bedrick of his magic. Shortly after, two marriage announcements are circulated. One for James and Cece, and one for Mr. Rexton and Aunt Elizabeth. Cece suggests she and Kate hold a joint wedding, if Kate and Thomas agree. Uh, And then the final letter. Word spreads that Bedrick has been stripped of his powers and exiled to mainland Europe. Kate and Thomas agree to a double wedding as long as it's done quick. Thomas plans to turn the post-wedding into a grand tour of Europe and plans to start it in Paris when Lady Sylvia returns there shortly. Kate finally gets a chance to tell off Aunt Charlotte for being controlling in a buzzkill and suggests she find a new hobby other than dictating Kate's life because she wouldn't be doing much of that after the wedding. Kate then throws Georgie under the bus, revealing her to be less of a saint than Charlotte thought. Then, uh... No, sucks. Why do I write sucks out? <laughs> then ducks out with Thomas to begin a new life in the Well,
0: city. I mean she was gonna never mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean they yeah, they have to consummate. <laughs> okay, so the the two the Miranda death and the bedrick thing are they're kind of like yeah. parallels to each other, except I feel like the bedrick one was way, way stronger. Oh
0: really? I like the Miranda one better. Yeah, really? I don't know. I just cause like I liked like the sylvia creeping in like she was also invisible so brandon is yeah. like bleh, 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 these are my re- revenge and, you're, and you know, you're gonna be old and you're just like that's kind of lame revenge and she's like well i'm doing it and sylvia coming in uh, all invisible and just because she's viniline monologuing so hard she doesn't hear like all your ages plus ours combined and then finishes it and blows up and i just i just like that a lot and then the image of them like, "Who? Okay, that's over." And then that idiot crashing through the window like, "I've come to save you." It's just, <laughs> I liked all of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just disappointed that at the end of all of this, the best they could come up with for the female villain's motive or like her big revenge is just to be young and pretty again. Not her <laughs> motivation. Her her form of revenge is like that. that I mean, is, if you can like, if you receive. can
0: like combine stuff and you know yeah multitask? you can multitask why not why not combine it It's like this can be my beauty routine and my revenge i'm good with that <laughs> um okay so the thing i wanted to say when that I, I put Cece's uh recovery with the rest of stuff in june because i thought it just kind of worked better for notes
1: yeah. but
0: with the big reveal and they're all like oh aunt elizabeth was a very great magician oh she was the best and then it's like why can't she make an adequate charm bag then She's like, Oh, I made it for Oliver so he could resist like Dorothea's spell. I'm like, he didn't though. He was super into Dorothea as well. And then she like makes it for Cece, like, here you go. And she's like, cool. I'm still have like this narcoleptic thing going on. I didn't know how much of that was just like, are we overstating how powerful she was or was she, is she just really super rusty?
1: I also thought that the whole like surprise were distantly related and now I can take your magic was like, like what?
0: I didn't like even pick was, up a theory distantly know. related. I thought they could just suck out people's power because reasons.
1: Right. No, he's.
0: Everything like, else uh, has been because reasons. Why not this?
1: Right. No. 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 Absolutely. He's like, my dear mama was descended from your dear mama was descended from my great great uncle. Sir hillary said on the wrong side of the blanket. I'm afraid oh, that's why it took me so long. That's
0: to right. I remembered wrong side. Still,
1: even the faintest of blood connections is enough to allow the Tannistree spells to work. Now that I am aware.
0: Okay. Yeah, I remember that line now because I remember thinking like, huh, ah, wrong side of the blanket. The
1: wrong side of the. Yeah, blanket.
0: I like yeah. that instead of just all like, oh, it's dicked around. Um, and I, and I put like, hey, it's another book where the adults aren't useless. Cause all the young people, you know, running around like, oh, I have to do secret codes. And, oh, you right. can't be involved in this. And then like, mom solves it. Or the aunt no one liked comes in and is all like, nope, I can yeah. take care of this. So and we were just talking about that with, uh, Fablehaven, how we liked, like, the kids, uh, frequently do have to save the day or, you know, be relied upon to contribute to the day being saved, but it's rarely because the adults are incompetent. So this is another instance of, like, hey, turns out age and experience still does count for something.
1: Let's see if I had any other... Um...
0: Okay, while you're looking, I'll put up my final thought, too, where it's, like, funny how characters the same age in modern books aren't all like we're in love so hey will you marry me we'd all be like whoa slow your roll that's seems a bit yeah. much you've known each other for like a couple months and you're really gonna get married now but like in olden times that was like second base <laughs> <laughs> i keep saying
1: that <laughs> making eye contact back then was second yeah
0: then the dad shows up and is like sir you've compromised my daughter he's like i'm across the room
1: (laughs) (laughs) so that was that sorcery and cecilia there's a sequel called the grand tour where they go to
0: i'd be willing to Uh, read that but maybe not for the podcast i might read that on my own
1: yeah Like, I definitely felt like it picked up, and there were a lot of little bits that I liked. I just felt that a lot of it was, like, and then this happened because we needed it to. And like I had been saying about the idea of, like, okay, the the letters were a good first draft. I would have liked to see the second draft where they, like, they talked about it more so that they could start sprinkling stuff in. And I I don't want it to be, like, they knew stuff that they couldn't know, you know, for the sake of things, but, like... I don't know, I felt there was a lot of stuff that it was, like, okay. I mean, I guess that moves it forward, but that doesn't really feel like... That, that feels like you just needed to think of something to put into this letter, and so here's your big revelation for it, as opposed to, like, organically building up things. Yeah. Three stars! Three stars!
0: It's entertaining.
1: The biggest takeaway, honestly, for me is that I think that that is a really cool way to try and write something even if you don't publish it just that as like a an experience with somebody is really interesting and i would be down to try it with somebody is this
0: a hint okay you're
1: you're just like it's
0: a hint if you want it to be a hint (laughs)
1: I, well, I have thought about it because I know you do writing, but I figured that since I can't even, you're, you won't even let me read the stuff that you've what already What do you mean written. I won't let you? I've been asking, I've asked you several times, like, well, can I read your stuff? Like, what's your username? And you're like, you can probably find it. You can! It. It's I was the like, same the username for my email, you fool. I tried! You didn't try hard enough. I figured that's what it was, and so I typed it in, and I was like, uh, I Did you I don't put know. the underscore? It's not an underscore in your... Yeah, I made it a little
0: bit different. It's an underscore.
1: That matters a good bit when you're googling. What are we reading that? I don't know. You're the one with the stack.
0: It's across the room. I guess I'm closer um. to it than you are. <laughs> I am getting up. Okay.
1: So uh, next month we are going to be taking a look at the Penderwicks at point Moet? yeah
0: it's m-o-u-e-t-t-e maybe i need to look up how to pronounce french so we can quit sounding so hesitant every time we say it
1: i mean i'm pretty hesitant when i say english words too that's true
0: you couldn't even say dorothea
1: i am a very very poor uh read aloud sort of person so that coupled with anything that i haven't seen before all of a sudden, like, any useful knowledge that I would have to make an educated decision just runs away. Run away. Um, but yeah, so we'll be revisiting the Penderwicks uh, for book three. I think that'll be a good summary read. And who knows, maybe we'll be able to record in person at that point.
0: Uh, we'll see. No, I think we'll be doing this until fall.
1: And then I'll be like, it's too cold. I don't want to go all the way over
0: there. <laughs> and Then we do this anyway. Like, why did we ever do it any other way?
1: <laughs> it's it's definitely, I, I think it definitely ends up better when we're there in person. But we do what we can. Make it work. We yeah, can
0: we it. do. <laughs> <laughs> it's gunning it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Hello Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh. Music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so hfkpodcast at gmail.com We are on Twitter and Instagram at hfkpodcast, and you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will be back on July 1st with the third Penderwicks novel by Jean uh, Birdsall and thank you guys so much for listening. Bye! Bye.